welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are continuing our series, Beyond Blessed, and uh, I just want to say that I'm so excited about what God is doing to strengthen our finances, and when I prayed over this series, I prayed, God, with our theme of being strengthened this year, I want us to strengthen uh, the area of our finances so it can lead to so much uh, more good that we can do, so much more freedom, peace in our homes, and so we're praying that you'll be strengthened. Many of you uh, took us up on the opportunity to go to Financial Peace University. I saw the Apple Valley campus video, looked like the room was packed, but I do want to let you know that we are still starting uh, the Financial Peace University at our campuses. There's still opportunity. If you want to be a part of it, you can text the word BLESSED to 41411, BLESSED to 41411, and it's really practical tools on how to uh, get your finances in order, and it goes all the way down into like insurance to buy and different things. It just helps you on so many practical levels. Um, I did get a couple testimonies. Uh, Our son Connor, who is at the Apple Valley campus, one of the pastors there, he said that uh, 35 people paid off 111,000 worth of debt in nine weeks, okay? 35 people paid off $111,000 worth of debt in nine weeks being part of Financial Peace. I thought that was amazing until Pastor Topper, Aaron Top uh, from Egan, he said in this, and he said one family paid off $60,000 worth of debt in 13 months doing Financial Peace. So it's about getting debt-free, positioning yourself uh, so that you, you have your finances under control. Please take advantage of that. Now, For those of you that missed uh, some of last week, and again, we're in spring break season, Uh, a lot of people are traveling, I'll just give you a couple of uh, quick things. First of all, we talked in this series that we are stewards. We are stewards, and a definition of a steward is someone entrusted with uh, protecting, maintaining, nurturing, or growing things. It could be a business, a farm, a household, or funds for someone else. You don't own it, but you're entrusted to take care of it. And each one of us is a steward of everything that we have. We've been entrusted with everything that God has given to us, and He owns it all, and we are taking care of it. We are managing it. It's not really ours. It's really God's. And I've, I've joked around that I let the youth group drive God's truck, you know, and it really is God's truck. And it still stands true today. He does not like you eating in his truck. All right. So, but it's not mine. It's really God's and I'm stewarding it. And I've got to remember that everything I have belongs to him. And, and we realize we can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. We can do that. We can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. And I'm going to be generous on every occasion. And I'm going to do what the Bible says in Matthew 6.20. It says, stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. Like, I'm going to keep investing and showing God that I want to give him a great return. And I'm going to bring as much as I can 
uh, sending it ahead to heaven. Now, we also talked last week about tithing, and I have some people that are going to help me out, and I want them to come out on the stage with me real quick as we just get caught up in the review. And I love keeping things simple. If you were here last year, you remember I had the fruit that was on the stage, and um, year before that, I, I had the apple up here, and we did that. And so I've got I, I, great, great, great. I got my volunteers up here. That's good, right in the line. All right. So I've got them standing up here. I remember we talked about 10%. And you're going to let me have this right now. All right. You're, th- we talked about 10%. And each of these represents 10% of your income. That's what it represents. And I want you to understand that when we tithe, uh, God asks us to give him the first tenth. How many know that we give the very first tenth? The first one goes to God. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. In Exodus 13, it talks about every firstborn male is mine. Every firstborn animal is mine. God says the first is mine. The first of all your fields, it's mine. Every time you bring in increase, it's mine. And really the the thing throughout the Bible is whatever you do with the first sets the precedent for what you do with all the rest. It, it, It sets a blessing. It takes care of. This one sets the precedent on everything else behind it. And that's why he says, give me the first one. I want you to bring the first one in. And, um... I don't know, if you're, if you're reading the soap along with us, our scripture observation, application prayer, our Bible verses, I, I, was, I love that we were reading in Hebrews this week, and this series got delayed because we extended forgiveness. So just, I, I didn't even pick it on purpose, but it, it was saying, um, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you give the first tenth to God, that's a step of faith. How many know that if, hold, you can take that back now. How many know that if you say, God, if there's anything left over, I'll give you some down here. How many know there's no faith in giving from the 10th spot? And so we say, God, from the first spot, I give you this. And, and the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to trust him. And so when we give him the first 10th, we're saying, I trust you, I honor you. And I'm saying, I, I believe your word to be true, and I'm going to be true to this, and I'm going to do that. But so if we, if we say, well, I'll give it at the end, how many know no faith in there? So you've got your first, I'm just going to illustrate this, yeah? So you've got your first tenth, and how many know, like, the government wants to take the second tenth, and the third tenth, and the fourth tenth? Somewhere in there, all right, they're just taking it. All right, and then you've you, you got to save some. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about budget. And how many know that nobody starts thinking about tithing at the six tenths? It's either the first or the tenth. That's usually where it happens. That one takes faith and that one doesn't take faith. And when we get down here, how many know that if there's nothing left, we just like, God, I can't really give you a tenth. So what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to give you 3%. I'm going to give you three. And Lord, just be happy with 3% because the average Christian in America gives God 3%. And you know why? It's because they didn't do the first tenth. And if you keep waiting over here and waiting over here and waiting, you're going to get down here and you're going to start falling into average. And I believe God does not want us to be average. I believe that God wants us to honor him with the first tenth and that he wants us to live in faith. And he doesn't, he's not pleased with leftovers. So I just, I I thank God for this, that we're going to give God the first tenth. Hey, let's show... Our love, our standing with all the people that have stepped out in faith in this series, just last week or even this week, they've stepped out and they've said, God, you will get the first tenth. And at all of our campuses, come on, let's show that we're with them. We believe in this. We're glad you're stepping out in faith and tithing.
First tenth, it's a step of faith. All right, now all the step of faith, you can step off the platform. All right, wonderful. Thanks for helping me out. Appreciate it. That's what we talked about, the tithe that goes to the Lord. It, it, it sets the precedent. It takes faith. And now today, we're going to talk about living within your means. I had ten tenths up here, and we've got to figure out what to do with the nine tenths left. Again, the government will get some. There's other things that will have to be taken care of. But we're going to look at what we're going to do with the other nine-tenths that are up there. And again, uh, the government will take their piece. But there's a part that we're going to have to do, and we're going to have to have a budget. A budget is going to help us out. A budget, keeping track of our money, being able to say where it goes. And I could feel people right now like, no, not the budget. Turn to your neighbor and say, a budget is a good thing. Turn to them right now. A budget is a good thing. It's true. It's true. Our culture says there are two things that stop your happiness. One is a budget. And the other is religion. You know, they're like, don't. Don't do that. That'll stop your happiness. They couldn't be any further from the truth. The budget is a good thing. Do you realize that would you ever want to work for a company that says we have no budget? Welcome to 3M. We have no budget. We have no idea where the money goes. We just kind of go with the flow. Hey, your retirement plan, we don't even have a clue how much we put in there, right? You'd say, I want to know the budget. I want, matter of fact, the law, there are laws that make companies have budgets and have to have right financial pro, you know, processes in place. And they have to have it. It's, it's the law. But then when it comes to your own personal finances, the government's kind of like, do what you want. Do what you want. And, and, and when you think about it, a budget is a beautiful thing. It helps us to be able to say to the money that God has placed in our hand, this is where you're going to go. This is what you're going to pay for. This is the way I'm going to live. And the Bible has things to say about a budget. Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 24, it says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. It's saying, be sure to know what's going on. We're not in farming. We're not in ranching, many of us or most of us. But if you were to take that today, be sure you know what's going on with your finances. Be sure you know what's going on with your household. Be sure you know what's going on because riches don't endure forever. It doesn't stay that way. So make sure you're managing, taking care of it. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. It's all about thinking it through and making sure you're planning and having knowledge and wisdom and being able to make sure that everything is taken care of. Even when Jesus was giving an example about following him, he was saying, count the cost. Count the cost of following me if you want to be my disciples. What does he do? He uses an example of budgeting. He says, if somebody's building something, they're going to sit down. They're going to calculate the cost. They're going to wonder if there's enough. They're going to, if there's not enough, they're going to do an otherwise, otherwise this. And they're going to try to escape the trouble because of good planning and budgeting. And if they do that, they'll have a happier future. He's saying, I'm giving you an example with budgeting. You should understand this. And you need to do this. You will manage a fortune in your lifetime. I found out that the average Minnesota household makes $68,388 a year. The average household in Minnesota, $68,388. I did the math. If you do 30 years of, of working, which would really only be from age 35 
to 60, I mean, if you, I, just, I wasn't even doing like your early years, okay? I moved it up. It's over $2.7 million that you'll handle. The average Minnesota household, again, not even taking those early years. Let's just say you did an eight-year college plan and then you traveled the world and whatever you did, okay? I'm saying over $2.7 million. It's amazing. When you consider how far we've come financially, even adjusted for inflation, a hundred years ago, the average American was making about $16,000 a year a hundred years ago, adjusted for inflation, okay? So when you think about where we are now, the, we're so wealthy, we're so blessed, and we have to figure out what are we going to do as the richest people on the planet, in the 1%, if you make over $38,000 a year, you're in the world's richest 1%. 70% of the world lives on $10 a day or less. 15% live on $2 a day or less. We're the richest people. I'm talking to the richest people on planet Earth. You're like, I'm not as rich as them. We'll get to that later. All right. So we've got to figure out how are we going to do this. If we're going to have a budget, if we're going to figure out how to do this, I'm going to tell you, as I've said over and over again, the first tenth goes to God. You are going to honor God with the first tenth. You are going to do that. And you are going to say, God, you get the first bite, the first tenth. I honor you. It has faith behind it. I believe in you. I trust you. And in my budget, I will do that. I, people argue with me. They're like, but we're in debt. We're in trouble. And, and we shouldn't tithe. I'm like, no, you should tithe. I want God's help to get you out of this mess. And you're going to honor God with this and step out first and put God right, right away and do this. All right, so the first tenth goes there. And we won't spend much time talking about that. Then we have the, which I would call taxes. I mean, and for us, you know, the, the, if you're a pastor, you actually get paid as self-employed. So they don't take the taxes out. So the taxes are the next thing. So after we tithe, man, we do, we do our taxes there. And I give to Caesar. What is Caesar? And I thank God that I live in the greatest country in America. And I pray they take less taxes. All right. You know, but I'm just saying. Um, and so I pay the taxes and I do that. And, and I tell you what, how many know, if you have kids, how many know it's a fun day when they get their first job and they open up that paycheck and they say, what's FICA? I, I don't like FICA. I want to do that. You know, you're like, oh yeah, you're, yeah, here you go. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we got that down. All right. I'm just giving you practical steps. I'm trying to help you. And if you need more than this, you need to go to Financial Peace University. I'm telling you this. Please don't let pride keep you from fixing something that's broken in your life. We can't go to Financial Peace and everybody will know. Hey, go there. Say, hey, it's for our kids. I don't care what you say. Do whatever you have to. Don't let pride keep you from fixing what you need to fix. All right. So you're going to tithe. You're going to pay your taxes. And then I'm going to tell you this. You're going to need to save. You're going to need to save. And that's something Americans don't do well. Most Americans don't save anything. 20% don't save anything. There's so few that can't even get, two-thirds of Americans couldn't even get $1,000 today with an emergency fund. They, if they had a bill for $1,000, two-thirds of Americans could not pay the thousand. They'd have a problem finding that. So you're going to have to save and you're going to have to do this. Um, Financial Peace University talks about this. And of course, we teach this at our church. Try to get a thousand dollar emergency fund immediately. And then as soon as you get that, save up with three months expenses, put that into saving. You say, how am I going to do that? I'm telling you, get a part-time job. I'm telling you to sell things. I'm telling you, you might need to downsize. That doesn't sound good, but I'm telling you to get in shape and live within your means. 
I'm telling you to, that when you do this, all of a sudden, there's, there's a, a freeing that comes on you when, you when you're tithing, when you're paying those taxes, when you're saving that 10% and you're living in that way. And again, we are so messed up here. 20% don't save anything. 50% of us are living paycheck to paycheck. One-third of the Americans are paying the minimum balance on their credit card. One-third are paying the minimum balance. You're never going to get paid off. Last year, I found this out that credit cards made uh, $104 billion on credit card interest. No wonder they're sending us so many in the mail, you know? Here's another one. Here's another $104 billion. 43% of Americans spend more than they make. Think about that. 43% are spending more than they make, and only one-third have a budget. It's time for us to be able to say, God, I will, I will tithe. I'll honor you. I'll get that right. I'm going to take care of the taxes. I live in this country. It's an amazing place to live. And Lord, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to save then after that. And I'm going to make sure that my lifestyle starts falling in after this. And in the savings and emergency fund, Proverbs 21 talks about this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Fools just chew it all up. They just take it all. But the wise are storing some. Proverbs 21, 20. Be sensible and store up precious treasures. Don't waste them like a fool. It's saying there's a little bit to save and you're not just going to waste it all. Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. I can hear some of you like, I don't, I don't have to worry about savings. There's GoFundMe and Kickstarter. Praise God. Uh, that might have been for our U of M extension service right there, all right? Like, I don't have to worry, all right? Yeah, you do. Uh, GoFundMe is not your emergency fund. That's not the way it works, all right? And there have been some really stupid GoFundMes. Somebody's like, I'm doing a gap year, and I don't know what I want to do, so will you give me the money? I'm going on vacation. You know, I'm making a move, and I don't have any money. Uh, I feel called. This is a true GoFundMe. I feel called to go to Burning Man. Good luck. You know, I'm paying on that one. Your GoFundMe is not your emergency fund. And some GoFundMes can be wonderful. But I'm telling you what, that's not your emergency fund. Another thing, when it comes to the Bible and giving advice on budget, let me just take this moment here. Avoiding credit card interest. Avoiding interest. Interest is not your friend. Proverbs 22.7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Interest is not your friend. And I feel this so strongly. We started this church, like I said, on Visa Gold. I, I wish I could go back and do it over again. We did $100,000 on credit cards. We, at some points, it was 21% interest. And I can remember as the credit cards would come to me in the mail and they'd say 0% for three months, I'd apply and I'd transfer the balance. And I did this for five years. And I think about the waste of what that was in starting this church and the interest. And I, I feel like I just want to take a vengeance on credit card debt right now. And I want to help you to not be in trouble with credit card debt, with that interest. It's a terrible thing to live beyond your means and to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this credit that's so easily available and chew up the, the things that could go to the things of God. For Becca and I personally, it was just two years into our church plant. We were about $4,000 in debt on a credit card. I think we went on a vacation. And we had some money on there. And all of a sudden, we looked at it. We said, this isn't, this isn't how we want to live. And her grandma died and left us $5,000. 
She left us $5,000 in her will when her grandma passed away. And Becca looked at me and she goes, I want to pay off the credit card debt. I want to tithe. I want to pay off the credit card debt. And I want to just like vow today that we will never have credit card debt again. Never again. And I remember just that day we said, let's do that. And that day we've never had credit card debt since that day. 20 some years, no credit card debt. We just changed it. We said, I'm not going to be slave. I'm not going to be slave to the lender. I'm not going to limit my choices. I'm not going to limit my freedom. And interest in general, again, it's not your friend. And if you're going to buy a home, and I just feel like a dad talking to my congregation and, and pastoring my kids if I, if I can. It's just, uh, if you're going to buy a home, you want a low interest rate. You want 15-year mortgage. That's what Becca and I have, a 15-year mortgage. And it's, uh, our, our percentage is in the fours. And when we bought our first home, I remember we bought our first home and it was special, first-time homebuyer's money, 9.5%. I remember that. We're like, we are so fortunate to get first-time homebuyer money at 9.5%. I mean, I just think of the decisions that we made. I mean, we, we bought our car, and, and I bought a car that had, uh, was three years old, and it had depreciated, and we bought it. It had depreciated 50%, and I paid it off. Now it's fun to drive that car all paid off and be able to drive it around and say, that one's paid for that's paid for. Interest is not your friend. And I could, I could hear some of you saying, I, this is so basic, Pastor Rob. I got this. I would just go back to this. I just, one test. Uh, you, you, what are you doing with the first tenth? Some of the people say to me, this is so basic. I, I've got my money and I'm wheeling. I'm like, okay, then the biggest test for you is what are you doing with the first tenth? What are you doing with that? Have you given a second tenth to God? If this is so basic, I'll keep teaching. But if you're, you're thinking that already, that was my challenge to you. If you're saying this is so basic, a little bit more biblical advice on saving. Um, Ecclesiastes, it's amazing. 11.2 says, Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on earth. Solomon was giving advice. He was saying, diversify. Don't put it all into one. He's like, spread it out to seven different things, maybe to eight things. You don't know what's going to happen. This one might fall. This one might fall. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. Diversify when you save. All right. So for more on budgeting, uh, I want to tell you to go to Financial Peace University and to be a a part of that. And I will tell you, it's a a wonderful, wonderful gift that the church does that and teaches that. But with the remaining time, I want to talk about something that will help you with the rest of your budget after you tithe, after you pay your taxes, after you have that 10% that you're saving. Okay. After you do that, here's uh, something that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn to be content. You're going to have to learn to be content. It's so hard for us. We are so rich, and even though we're so rich, we struggle with contentment. And there's so many things that happen to people that are rich. There's so many things. And, and, and really, Jesus said it's, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. He's saying, like, you're at a disadvantage, and he's saying it's, it's not because God loves rich people less. It's because rich people love God less. They love their things. And he's like, you got to watch out for this. That if you, it, when you get into that remaining percentages, if you haven't given God the first tenth, that if you're not living within your means, you're going to fall into all sorts of problems. First Timothy talks about all sorts of problems and sins that you can fall into. Matter of fact, I'll illustrate just quickly like, They did a study, and if you make minimum wage, I know this is a horrible thought, but if you make minimum wage, they said it's like 31% of people that make minimum wage uh, fall into the sin of adultery. 
They said, but if you make three times minimum wage, which is only 90,000, they said it's 70%. It's like the, the, it goes up exponentially. It's not that the rich are, are more sinful, but the richness allows us to live lives that are different, that are way more loosey-goosey. And all of a sudden you can fall into all these problems. The rich are at a disadvantage again with this. And so you got to figure it out. How am I going to live this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to be content? How am I going to be able to say, God, I love you? How am I going to stay within my means? And the thing that you're going to have to fight against is the spirit of mammon. How many have heard that word before, mammon? Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. So he said, you can't serve God and mammon. What was mammon? Mammon was the spirit of that age. It was a God of the Chaldeans that was the God of money. It was the God of treasures. And he was saying, you can't serve money and God. You can't do it. You got to learn to be content. You got to learn to say that if I have God, I have everything I need and he'll take care of me. If I have God, I'm good. But the spirit of mammon is going to fight you your whole life. It's going to fight you over and over and over again. And there's so many scriptures on fighting this. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Paul's trying to help rich people that Timothy is pastoring. He's like, come on, Timothy, you're pastoring a bunch of rich people. But they got to realize they got to be content. They got to fight against this spirit of mammon. In Hebrews 13, 5, keep, yourselves, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Mammon keeps saying, if you have more, you'll be happy. And God says, if you have me, you're happy. And mammon keeps saying, if you get more in your hands, you're going to be happy. And God says, if you're holding my hand, you'll be happy. And you've got to learn to say, if I have God, I have everything I need. You can't find your joy in the more, you find your joy in the Lord. And the world that we live in, it seems so crazy to say that we have so much, but we're always looking at other people. Proverbs 27, verse 20 says, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are the human eyes. There's just something in us that we're going to have to fight against the spirit of mammon over and over and over again and say, I'm going to be content. And how many know mammon has found some new friends to make us lose our contentment? They're called Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Man, you start looking, you're like, look at this person. They're living the dream. I, I opened up Instagram while I was prepping for the sermon, and I found out that people on spring break this week are in Breckenridge, Disney, Denver, San Francisco, Pastor Drake, uh, Miami, Hawaii, Duke NDSU game, Logan and Mac, uh, Israel, Scottsdale, Washington, D.C., uh, all these different things. This is just this. I'm like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Spirit of Mammon says, don't you wish you were them? You don't have enough. You shouldn't give that to God. You shouldn't do that. You're not content. You're not good enough. You should be there. Matter of fact, you're watching the snow melt. How good are you? That's what the spirit of mammon says. And we've got to say, I have Jesus. I have all I need. Mammon is not going to steal my joy. Mammon is not going to get my whole life to turn upside down. And I'm not going to live outside my means. I'm going to be content. And I'm not going to let mammon steal my joy. Because it continues to lie to you. If you have more, you'll be happy. And more is never enough. The Lord is enough. And it's interesting. We, we quote Hebrews 13.5, and I just read it for you. 
Okay, and we talk about that, that he'll take care of us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Keep your, Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's interesting. I'm preaching this to you saying, as you serve God and you have so much, don't forget God. When Paul wrote that, or I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but whoever wrote Hebrews, when they were writing that to, in that moment, it was not gain, gain. It was gain, loss. People were losing everything to follow Jesus. And it was saying, hey, if you have Jesus, you have enough. It doesn't matter. If you lose everything to follow him, you've got enough. But I'm saying if you follow him and you're blessed beyond measure and you can't even imagine why you're blessed so much, don't lose Jesus. Be content in this. Whether your life goes down or up, don't lose Jesus. Be content. Stop comparing to other people. Stop comparing. I love what we have to realize what's a want and what's a need. And Dave Ramsey, man, he's, he's straightforward in financial peace. And he says, there are four walls, food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and utilities. He said, those are your needs. Food, shelter, clothing, transportation, utilities. He's like, you got those, you're good. Got those, you're good. Then after that, we're into wants. Man, once you're content, once you're content, you realize, God, you have me where you want me. And if I move up or I move down, I'm in your hands. If I, wherever I go, I'm in your hands. I'm content. I'll get my budget right and I'll be living content. And once you're content and he has you where he wants you, man, there's a joy that comes there. Then all of a sudden, how many know that that remaining percentage that's there, you just start thinking of ways to leverage it for the things of God, ways to make a difference for eternity. You start wondering, should I buy this or not? Because I could do this or this. Man, I'm telling you, having a budget and learning to be content so that you fight against mammon and you say, Lord, you are first in my life. You are in charge. I live for your glory and for your honor. I'm a steward. I'm there. Jesus, if I have you, I have everything and I will live within my means and bring glory and honor to your name. So Lord, I'm praying right now that you'd help us to do that. I'm praying for people right now that they would look at their finances and they'd say, we need a budget. We need to do that. We need to honor God. We need to take care of things. We need a budget. And I pray for others that they would say, we need to learn to be content. We need to stop competing with the Joneses. We need to stop worrying about what other people are doing on Instagram. We need to celebrate their wins and thank God for the things we enjoy as well. And be able to say, we're not going to live for mammon. We're not going to live for the things that say they'll satisfy us because riches are fleeting. They're empty and they're over. But Lord, you're forever. And so God, if we have you, we have everything. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live in that way and to be content. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.